Warning, the Grow Your Salon Fast Show contains content that may offend. The hosts don't care. If you want to grow your salon fast, keep listening and find out more at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. But for now, here's your hosts, Vagar Svanberg and Kat Smith. Hello there and welcome to the Grow Your Salon Fast podcast. Normally at this point I'd introduce Kat, but today I'm actually taking revenge on Kat from ditching me a few episodes back. So I shifted her for someone of the opposite sex and with slightly different body proportions. To be frank, he looks like he's sort of boss. Anyway, with me today is Phil Agostino. Hello, Phil, and welcome to the show. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Very good. Thank you. Excellent. So, Phil, before we start, I'd like you to give people you know, a short brief about who you are and what you do. Um, my name's Phil and I, uh, I help entrepreneurs and business owners Get fit, healthy, in a quick, sane, and easy way. And I'm an author. Basically, I've got a book coming out in about a week or so, which is kind of documented that. So that's what I do for people right now. So you train people, and actually, people should know that you are actually my trainer as well. Uh, with the assistance uh, from Phil, I've managed so far to lose a few pounds and go from extra large to medium t-shirts or something and still keep most of the muscle mass which is a good thing isn't it yeah it's a good thing that's what most people uh fail to do when they diet i would say they tend to lose muscle and for a guy especially that is not what you're going you don't want but yeah that's what i do mate no mm. so the reason i brought you on this show is because as you know our listeners are mostly salon owners or salon people. There are some exceptions, as apparently this podcast appeals to, you know, business owners in general as well. But salon owners are the main target audience. And it's a sad but true fact that a large amount of people working in the salon industry, they get health problems after a few years. And that could be anything from, you know, problems with shoulders, elbows, hands to stress-induced headaches and migraines and hip and feet problems and whatnot, really. You've helped salon workers like hairdressers with these problems for years haven't you and could you tell us a little about what kind of problems you typically see and what's causing them yeah typical problems for a, for a hairdresser would be neck problems shoulder problems um, lower back pain um, the headaches that come with that repetitive strain in the forearms the fingers the elbows so just just common joint pain they're probably because they're on their feet a lot get a lot of um fasciitis on the bottom and all of those problems are simply caused by just repetitively repeating the same movement patterns. So you got to think a hairdresser may hold the hairdryer in the same hand above the head several hours a day, every week for several years. And over time, you're going to get muscles that become very tight and very strong, and you're going to get muscles that become very weak. And this imbalance is going to start to create postural changes and pain. Simply the way, and that happens, and that can that just happens slowly over time. And it happens to people that sit in the desk, but I think it's almost worse standing up all day, if I'm honest. Right, but that's interesting because uh, as a hairdresser or any kind of salon uh, you're working in, you need to do the same things all over again. So, I mean, you can't just, yeah, you can probably experiment when you know holding the blow dryer in your left hand or something, but it could be awkward and not that easy to do. What what can they do about that if they can't, you know, if they still have to do the same job, how can they prevent those injuries? The key to preventing those injuries and just maintaining it is going to be able to create, it's creating balance back in the body. So 
for the for the clients that I've worked with in the past, they're normally weak in their abdominals. They normally have quite weak upper back muscles, core muscles. So I normally get them strengthening those muscles in the gym. I'll have them do um, exercises like Pilates. So if you can get to a Pilates class, um, those kind of exercises will help target the muscles that they've basically neglected. And over time, you would basically create balance again. Yeah, but Phil, lots of people, I mean, I've heard before that they they say they're healthy because they say they do lots of jogging and lots of cardio exercises. But uh, from what you say, that, that doesn't necessarily mean healthy, does it? No. Um, I, I always find it funny that the first thing that someone wants to do is is to go jogging. Um, I always think it's the last thing somebody wants to do, if, especially if you're slightly heavier, because you're going to put a lot of strain on the knees. Um, the, uh, and the jogging isn't going to address, address the problem that you're basically weak in certain areas. So whether you want to um, improve your neck pain or improve your injuries, or you want to lose weight and look better, jogging would never be my first option. I would always get them to do some weightlifting. So, okay, so what you're just confirming that basically, and then uh, just jogging and doing cardio stuff stuff doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy. So, but but what kind of training you mentioned Pilates and stuff like that? What you're really talking about is then some kind of resistance training, uh, really. Uh, I've heard that a common myth is that especially women won't or can't do resistance training because they'll end up looking like bodybuilders what you have to say to that that, that myth is luckily starting to go a little bit but it's still quite common and so those women listening all i can say is you will not grow much muscle when you do weightlifting and what will actually happen is for the very tiny amount of muscle you will build you will lose a lot of body fat so the kind of net change in body shape will be that you'll be much smaller um, it always makes me laugh actually because I think to myself I train my ass off I eat loads of food I do everything I can to get bigger and I don't grow that that quickly and for somebody who's going to be a female who maybe just goes to the gym a couple of times a week and is probably going to diet they're not going to grow very much at all that myth is uh, I hope that everyone listening to this decides to go and do some weight training after hearing this because it won't make them be and besides, I mean, as guys, couldn't we also say really that a woman with some muscle looks better than a really skinny, skinny woman? Wouldn't that be true? 100%. Um, yeah. I think most, and I think women are starting to come around to that now. Like in the last few years, I remember a few years back, I, I don't remember any having, ever having any clients that wanted to do competitions. And then the last couple of years, um, I've worked with quite a lot of females that wanted to do uh, bikini competitions and photo shoots and that. So the athletic look is definitely becoming more popular. Um, and I would say from a guy's point of view, yeah, we were having a little bit of muscle is going to be better than the typical, going back to the runner's look. Nobody really wants to, I don't think males or females really want to look like runners. They tend to have quite small frames and they're quite skinny. So yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and besides, you can be. I've heard the I've heard the expression "skinny fat." What is that? What does that mean? <laughs> skinny fat is where, if we're talking about a guy or a girl, either way, it's where they're going to be quite small. So the in clothing, they look small, but they have a high percentage of body fat. So when you would get them naked, 
they would actually be quite soft and have no no real shape. But they could still be like a girl could still be quite small. They could be a size eight. But if they haven't got much muscle and a lot of it's fat, then they're going to be they're going to be skinny fat. Is what we're kind of. So they could basically have a lot of you know um, abdominal uh, ab fat and visceral fat and you know hidden fat without you know not not being healthy really while while yeah. still having a small frame. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, they still look small. They still look small in clothing, but you oh. um, you take it off and then they're quite. There's, you can just see that there's no definition there. So what could you say about, because you talk about training then, so we, we've established that strength and resistance training is good and you talk about Pilates, but if you have someone like a hairdresser who she works with her hands held high most of the day, um, could you go into a bit more detail about how a typical training program would look for for someone who works in a salon? like? How many times a week? What kind of exercises? Um, free weights or not? Machines or not? Uh, body weight routines or not? Uh, stuff like that. Could you could you give us some more information about how they should train? Or how you would train them? If they came to me, um, and again, it would obviously depend on their goals. If we're talking strictly um, injury prevention and they're just in pain, that which could be quite common, I would obviously want to target that first and achieve that that change so those exercises will be a combination of weights or cables or free weights or machines I, I, that i don't really i don't think one's better than the other in my book i basically said that i would assess the individual so some people i've had in the past are just really quick learners and they could do free weights some of them are a bit slower and they need the machines um that would involve just large muscle groups i would essentially stay away from training the muscles that they already have that are quite tight so i wouldn't have them doing like chest muscles or front of the shoulders like because if you imagine somebody's same as somebody who sits at the desk they're going to be quite slouched so the training program is going to revolve mostly around what we refer to as the posterior chain so the muscles in the back of the body so we're talking back to thighs bums backs backs to shoulders right does that mean deadlifting, for instance, stuff like that? Yeah, deadlifting, squats. Um, again, what I, a typical program for me would probably be split for somebody that's new in teaching them the deadlift. So that might be really light, just going through the motions, making sure that they understand how to maintain good posture, um, teaching clients how to uh, engage their abdominals. For many people that have back problems, if they've sat at the desk or they've stood for a long time, they'll actually have... They'll have, they'll have a bit of a trouble actually like tensing those muscles. Like it isn't common for somebody to come along and they really don't have that kind of connection with their butt muscles. So the, the training would be kind of a combination of resistance training to get strong and kind of re-education of the body and the way it moves. And that would be, that could be laying on the floor. Pilates is, if anyone hasn't done it, doesn't involve any weights um, until you're quite advanced. You just lay on the floor I've had clients that come to do Pilates and it's really difficult to do because it's quite technical. And I think in terms of days per week, just so they, I think the common myth is that most people think they have to go a lot. I have most of my clients only going three to four times a week. I've got one client that only goes twice a week and he, he's had some really good health benefits from twice a week. We just have to work quite hard in those two hours. Yeah. So, so when you talk about that, I mean, how much time do you think is required? Because you know, many people going working in salons, or many pe people in general are busy, and they can't spend hours and hours and hours in the gym. So, if you say 
they should go there like you just said two or three times a week how much time should should they spend on each workout what would be the total uh, weekly volume of training to get health benefits i don't think they have to do as much as they as people think i would say you can get a lot done in an hour at the gym and that would include a five or ten minute warm-up and then five or ten minutes at the end of the session to stretch so you've got 40 minutes of weight training if you're not the per if you don't because the problem is you go into the gym nowadays and everyone sat on their phones they're taking selfies. They're basically just pissing around. So if you can go into the gym and actually work and move, and what I have clients do is use a stopwatch and actually be accountable for the time you're there, you can get a lot done in an hour. So if you're only doing three or four gym sessions a week, you've got to say to yourself, can I find three or four hours a week to train? The answer to that should be yes, even if you have to train at home. You are actually training, I wouldn't call it high-level people, that's not what I mean, but typically like, CEOs and really, really busy people who you know travel a lot and and can't really get a fixed routine. Uh, so 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 what you're saying is that I mean, if you train those people and make it work for them, it should be possible for a for for a hairdresser, for instance, as well, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, one of my clients started dieting at Christmas, and he went went away for what did he do? He went away for a whole month. It was basically he left his house for a month. So that is. The, that is much more difficult. I mean, he's got to find gyms in local areas and he's got to um, maybe use hotel gyms and then obviously we can discuss the food, but that's going to be difficult to, to stick to. So a hairdresser, yeah, they do have long days. Um, having said that, a lot of the gyms nowadays are 24 hours and you can go before work or after or even in a lunch break if you've got time. What so when you would you recommend they go? What would be the ideal time or day training-wise to, you know, when you feel, when you have the most energy and when, when would be the best time to train? The best time, do you know what? The best time to train is the time that you can do consistently. So, it's the no, same as anything in diet and fitness. I don't, and that's what I, I do with my clients is I try to tailor make the plan so it fits them. So, I basically remove any excuses because the last thing I'd want to do is say to, on this podcast, you should go in the evening and half of the women are like, I can't go in the evening. So for them, if you can find a time that you can go consistently two or three times a week, that is your best time. You're listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Remember to sign up for the podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. Let's say that they go to the gym, they start working out, they follow your, your advice, they maybe read your book, get in touch with you, get help from someone. Uh, and they start training and they start going to the gym two or three times a week consistently. And let's say that this imaginary person has had some, you know, back pain, or hip pain, something like that. When they start training, and I'm not, you know, asking you to be specific here, but could you give a, you know, rough estimate? What do you, what you see, how quickly they get results, you know, when they start training? How quickly should they see some improvements after they start training consistently? You know, you normally have, I normally have clients, because what will happen when you train is all those muscles that are quite weak kind of have like a post-training, um, a phase where they're kind of active and they feel like they're working. So you'll often find that after just one training session, a client will be like, oh, my back feels tighter and I feel like I'm standing taller. And that releases other muscles and releases the pain. So that's kind of a kind of, I guess, quite an acute, kind of short-term benefit so you you tend to see that from the very first session in terms of that becoming kind of 
continuous, more chronic, then I would say four to six weeks, people start to feel better. I mean, it does. It is obviously very individual. With most clients, though, if I have them coming in, we have them come in for twelve weeks because twelve weeks, three months, is a really good amount of time, I think, to make some big changes. Mm, it's interesting what you say because what we see. Um, again, a lot in the salon industry is that people go to chiropractors or physiotherapists or something. And when they do, they will, they will you know, do some massage and do something about the joints and, and what, what, whatever the hell chiropractors and physiotherapists do. But they will also put people on training programs. The problem, as I see, is that they will, you know, uh, first of all, they don't necessarily follow the training prog- programs to, to the letter. That's the first problem, of course. But the second problem is they do them for what? couple of weeks or so and then they feel a bit better and then they go off the program so 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 basically what we're saying is that you, you have to stick to the train you have to what you're saying to people is you have to create the regime you can stick to for life basically isn't that what you're saying yeah and this goes with um weight loss fitness but very much and i'm i am very guilty of this i'm i've been lifting since i was 15 i'm now 34 I've competed in powerlifting and bodybuilding, so my body is quite beat up. I have quite a lot of injuries that I fix by doing therapy and rehab, and then as soon as they're fixed, I will, I'll admit, I get a bit slack, and then they come back, and, and that will happen to a hairdresser, because at the end of the day, you will be, as long as you have that job, you're always going to be creating the imbalance. So you have to think to yourself, for every day that I slouch, I have to do the exercises that are correct. The second you stop, the exercise, that standing and the slouching and the and the job, just brings the brings the injury back. So yeah, that's so, so going back to answering your other questions, they need to think of this as um, a lifestyle change. It's not like okay, I'm going to diet. It's same as weight loss. You can't just say to somebody you're going to diet for twelve weeks, lose weight, and you can go back to your old diet because that's why we have such bad statistics on maintenance and yo-yo dieting. So the same with injury prevention. Once you find something, you have to. You have to keep doing it. So it's important that you find something that works, you enjoy, and you can actually commit to enough to get the results. Basically, that's that's great advice. And uh, what I was ha- what I would want to say to salon owners is that this is uh, something you should probably think about for your if you have employees that you you know create uh, maybe help them create time as well to do training, possibly during your salon time because you invest in you know people not being away on sick leave or whatever uh so that could actually make and also your 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 best people to make sure they don't you know get injuries and stuff uh phil how about diet i mean in a busy salon diet could often often be uh, if not ignored and neglected i mean like choosing the simplest forms of lunch just because it's easier sometimes perhaps even skipping lunch not to mention skipping breakfasts that's obviously not good for many reasons and can also cause knock-on problems like recurring headaches, increasing joint pain and cause people to be stressed out, feel fatigued all the time. Do you have any advice to give to busy salon people when it comes to what they should eat and how they can make it easy to stick to a healthy diet? And also perhaps kind of what, what, kind of, what kind of food they should eat. I mean, they're standing, they're walking a lot. That their the need is quite high. Need is a term for you know the um, the the energy you burn while doing stuff like they do walking around and stuff. What what, what do you have to say about diets? Yeah, the diet, I think the diet from the clients I've had in the past has probably been the more difficult part, um, especially if they're 
and it's, it kind of is very similar to back to when I was personal training in the gym. I would have sometimes eight clients back to back to back, and it would be it would be a struggle for me to to eat. And I and I found what maybe some of the hairdressers find is that um, if I haven't eaten for several hours, I then tend to just think I need to eat something, and I and I pick the wrong foods, or I kind of binge at the end of the day. So that was something that when I was busier, I had to really try to try to change. So in terms of tips for that, I've won, when clients first come to me, they're not very, they're normally not very well organized. So they normally, uh, I find it quite common that they don't even take food with them. So I would say that having food prepared is important. Um, I like the idea of, I know they get quite a bad rep sometimes, but protein shakes work quite well. Because um, at the end of the day, what a client, what a hairdresser could do is they could have a, they could look at it as, they can have a breakfast before work. They obviously can have a dinner. They can have a lunch. And then what you could do in between those meals if you're hungry is just have a, a protein. I mean, you're, you know what it's like. You just chuck a protein shake in a, in, a, in a shaker. You pour some water into it, handful of nuts, and then you've got a, a balanced meal. So what I mean by that is you're going to want each meal to have protein in it. So that's going to be from a shake. Um, lean cuts of meat, eggs, dairy. You're going to want to have some good fat, so olive oil, avocado. Um, if you've got some oily fish and you like fish, that's fine. And because they, like you said, their meat is quite high, they probably don't need a huge amount of ca carbohydrates, but they do probably need more than the person that sits down. So just having things like, um, just easy things like rice cakes, um, even wholemeal bread, I think for a lot of the people listening, They'll probably be like many of my clients. Well, they'll either want to be, they'll either eat poorly, or they'll believe the myths that they're kind of like their diet has to be super clean. And so I remember one one time I was with the hairdresser that I was training at the time, and she kind of mentioned that she went out to get a sandwich, and she said that she felt bad about it. And I was kind of like, that's okay. Like you, she picked a chicken salad sandwich. It was fine. And she was like, well, like, it had bread. Um. So I had to try and explain that that's okay. Like it, all that really matters is that when it comes to dieting, for anyone listening, all that really matters is you get the calories right per day, and you get a good amount of protein in, which is fairly easy to calculate. And then what I had most of my most of my clients do is you can download an app like My Fitness Pal onto your phone, and you can just scan that in every time you eat. You can and then you can keep account keep accountable to it. Um, but I think planning is one of the most important things. If you turn up for work with no food and you get hungry, you're just going to take whatever's there or you're going to run out and get something that's probably probably quite high in calories. Yeah, what I have heard is, you know, stories about people eating whatever's available in the salon because they're in a hurry. So if they have, you know, cookies for the clients or whatever, they will, they will start eating that. And what happens when they do that? What happens with those high-carb high carb diets? So high carb diets aren't. I mean, they're not as bad as what people think. But the problem is, if you're gonna, if we, if someone doesn't eat very many meals per day, and they eat something like just cookies, then you're just gonna get problems like high blood sugar, which is gonna make people hungry again. So you, people tend to pick those kind of foods again. They're very calorie dense. Like I would say that if I found, if I gave somebody a meal of a couple of hundred calories or two or maybe three hundred calories of chicken, veg some rice it would be way more filling than say two cookies so they don't get very full up and then going back to what we said earlier about muscle maintenance not having the protein especially if we're 
if we now assume that this person listening, like we said, he's going to the gym, that diet is not going, not going to allow for the recovery from those exercises. So they're going to be going to the gym, um, trying to tone up, trying to improve their posture, and those muscles aren't going to be getting the kind of the fuel to recover, and they're not going to get the benefits they think they should get. So these are just some of the some of the downsides to kind of that kind of that diet, and that's really common for a lot of my clients. Like a lot of it seems like every day somebody's freaking birthday, so there's always cakes in the office. So I also think there's an element of you're going to have to learn to have some self control. I could just attest to that. I mean, something um, I, I'm I'm not dieting hard, but I'm still dieting for probably a few weeks more. And what I find is that there's always an occasion, there's always an opportunity. So you have to, you know, learn to to handle that. That that's not necessarily because you need to lose weight, but because you need to have a balanced diet. So you need to, you know. Uh, do what's best for your body. I was having, I was just wondering if someone wants, uh, the problem for many people is that they start out with good intentions and they, they you know, start going to the gym every day. Um, and now we established that you don't have to go to the gym every day. You should do it as often as you can. But still, some people might do that and then after a while drop off because they, you know, they're not accountable to anyone then do need help. What could they do to? What could they do to to help themselves stick to the regime? I think the the the, the big problem is, like you said, accountability. Like obviously, you have me coach you. So when you when you do think to yourself, "Ah, oh, sorry, I'll have a pizza," you still know that you're going to have to send your. Pizza. I, I'm actually going to yeah. I'm going to butt in there and just say that what typically happens is that some and this goes to you know opportunity opportunity minded eating basically because what happens is that someone I mean I have four kids uh, and if they make pizza or something I'm really tempted you know I have that 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 odor all over the house and I really want that pizza and sometimes you know I grab a slice. But before, before I had the accountability with you or with anyone, really, I would not just stop at one slice. I would possibly eat four yeah. uh, or something like, or even more. Uh, so what happens now is I know that if that happens on a Saturday. I know I have my weigh-in session with you on Monday. So that will definitely show up there if I, if I you know, fell. But do you suggest that people do something like that? Being, who could I be accountable to? Um, you're even going to get a coach. I mean, nowadays you could be accountable to... Um, another person you, if you find another person in the gym who has I guess in salons if there's several of you that need to go to the gym what happens with, the, with some of the clients I've had in the past is, is two or three of them have all gone to the gym at the same time so it's much easier to diet in a salon where you and several others are dieting than it is to be the only one so being a, sometimes maybe um, if you can convince someone else in your salon to do it with you and it's, that's quite nice because you get that thing where you might have a day where you think to yourself, oh, I can't be bothered to go to the gym today. And the other person's like, no, we have to go. That that really helps. Having a coach like like you have with me, it really helps. Joining uh, forums and Facebook groups, maybe you can uh, kind of commit to doing things like, uh, when I diet down, I'm going to commit, when I do my competition next year, I'll commit to maybe posting pictures um, to social media. There's, there's, there's loads of ways you can do it. That, that's bold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do that with you. I actually, uh, the listeners don't know this, but I actually send underwear photos to Phil every two weeks. Uh, but that also helps with, with accountability. Another idea just uh, just popped in my head is that I know if you are several people, like you say, 
who die together in the salon, maybe you could share the burden of, you know, creating lunch or something. But because if you create lunch for the next day, it's not that much more work to create a bigger portion, for instance. So, yeah, yeah stuff like that. That's great advice, really. Phil, we we um, are nearing the end here, but um, before we end, and and how can people reach you if if they want to get in touch? Because I hear rumors you already mentioned it that you've you've written a book and that might possibly be the best way to not only know you but also get um, uh, a more elaborate version of what we just talked about and yeah. you know where can they get your book um if they go to www.philagostino.co.uk um the book how, do, be- how do you spell that mate uh oh this is the pain isn't it it's a-g-o-s-t-i-n-o it's nearly as bad as so www.philagostino.co.uk yeah, and then the book will be up there, and they can get it. Right. So that's, that's on there for pre-order, and that goes through everything from to go to back to very briefly to your last question. That covers everything from um, accountability to like even goal setting, um, right through to how to set up a food plan, um, how to track it, um, how to set up a, um, a weight training plan. And what I've also done is those who buy the book on my website, I've, I've videoed myself doing about twenty-five exercises, and I'm going to keep building that so they get access to a kind of a free membership section where all the videos will be so a lot of them so a lot of them will look at the book and go okay i don't understand what that exercise is so there's there's quite a lot of content there that should make it uh an easy transition from being new to starting it i hope wow sounds great phil it was great having you on the show thank you so much and have a good day and you thank you you've been listening to the grow your salon fast show with cat and vagard Share and sign up for your podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com.